podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick. Joining me today to discuss Liverpool's upcoming game against Arsenal is, of course, Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? The beans full of optimism. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually confident going into this game. I don't know why, but our home form has been quite good. And while Arsenal's away form is good, I still don't trust them, Carl. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But I think they're about to throw this title away over the next seven games. And I think it starts on Sunday with us. No team has lost fewer home games than Liverpool. No team has conceded fewer goals at home than Liverpool, apart from Manchester United, which will quickly sweep past and ignore as if it didn't happen. I agree with you. We're winning this game. We're starting the other way around. We're starting with the predictions. And the closing in of City to Arsenal is going to begin here. So let's go with let's go with predictions, and we'll we'll reverse engineer it and go, work backwards from our predictions. Where do you where do you see this game ending up? What's what's your predicted scoreline? Three uh, one. Damn it, go ahead. As well. Go ahead. We may go two ahead if we start fast. Mm. We'll come back into it. They'll push, and we'll get another one on the break. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I have 3-1 as well. I think we get two in the first half, maybe in the first half hour. And I think they have to then open up. And I think there's going to be big space in behind them anyway. Because Ben White plays very advanced as a right back. And Rob Holding is likely going to be their starting right side centre back for this game. Because heading into it, Arsenal have Tommy Asu done for the season... William Saliba out for another couple of weeks. So it has to be White at right back and Rob Holding because the only other option would be to maybe play Kieran Tierney at right back and play Ben White as a centre-back. And if they do that, I fancy our chances as well. For sure. I think actually Holding has been all right when he's come in, to be honest, individually. But the issue that Arsenal have there is obviously that the partnership of Saliba and Gabriel has been a lot of what season's uh, improved defensive form has been built on. It's the partnerships, it's the consistency in the start and 11. It's the fact that they haven't had to rotate and bring in too many outsiders as such. Uh, both the backup fullbacks, Tierney and Tommy Asu, is a pretty good second string pair, but they haven't really played too many minutes at all this season. Like, it's not been a case of like rotating them in for like you know eight, ten games or anything like that. Tierney has started four times in the league and Tommy Asso only a couple more. They've only played a thousand league minutes between them. So yeah. it really has been a big strength of Arsenal that they've not had to have players consistently at that same high level 
outside of the starting eleven. I mean, they've basically had a group of 12, 13 players who have played most of the season in the league, and after yeah. that it is squad fillers. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're 29 games into the season. Ramsdale has played every game. Uh, ben White has played every game. 27 as a starter, 2 as a sub. Uh, Partey has played 24 games. Gabriella started every game. Saka has played every game. 28 as a starter, 1 as a sub. Odegaard has played 28 games. Gabriel Jesus is the one starter that missed a chunk of the season. But fortunately for Arsenal, it was in an area that they had some cover. Gabriel Martinelli has played every game. 28 as a starter, 1 as a sub. Um... Granit Xhaka has played every game, 28 as a starter, 1 as a sub. And Zinchenko has played 22 games, 21 as a starter, 1 as a sub. So, of their starting 11, you're only looking at Zinchenko missing 7 games, Partey missing 5 games, and Jesus missing 12 games. Everybody else has played every game or one off every game. So, <clears throat> they've been very lucky, and I... Arsenal fans will cry about, oh, he had an injury to uh, to Eddie Nketiah. He's your backup. And he, when he got injured, you brought in Trossard, who we're going to talk about on this pod. I think has been excellent for them. And they went out in January. They brought in Trossard. He's been good. They brought in Jorginho. He's been less good, but he's there. Fabio Vieira's played a decent amount of games as a squad player. Tierney's had a lot of sub-appearances, 16 sub-appearances, which is fairly spectacular. Um, all things considered, they have been blessed with injuries this season. Any injury they've gotten has been in a position where they've had a quality stand-in. Now, that changes a little bit with Saliba being hurt at the same time as Tomiyasu, because it means they can't just move White into centre-back or play Tomiyasu at centre-back. But like you said, Rob Holding has been decent. The problem is, he's only started twice in the league this season, and he is slow. Like, he is slow. And if we can get Darwin running into that space behind him, he's going to struggle on the turn to get around. So, I think that's a big area for us to look at. They, we, we have to give them credit, Carl. They've had a very, very good season to date. But I do think it's quite clear that they've overperformed the players in their team. Like, when you go through that 11, you can find a flaw in pretty much... Every one of them. Bar maybe Saka, who I think is spectacular. And Odegaard has been brilliant this season. But everyone else, like Partey, he's a little bit injury prone. Xhaka, he's very inconsistent. He's had a good season. He's always going to have that possibility of doing something stupid. Zinchenko can be a little bit suspect defensively, as can Ben White. Saliba's young and inexperienced. Gabriel always has an error in him. And Gabriel Jesus, for as talented as he is, can go through goal droughts, as can Martinelli. There's flaws to this team that so far have not reared their heads. But I wouldn't be surprised if they start to rear their heads now, because the pressure starts now. You're nine games from the end of the season. You might be eight points clear, but as you pointed out before the mics went live, that's only one game. Because City have a game in hand and Arsenal have to go to City. And Arsenal have a harder run in than City. Um, I think Arsenal have been excellent 
this season, but they've benefited from like three things really. One is what we've talked about, not having to change around the team. Two is that while they have improved and they have absolutely compared to last season, their game has improved, their consistency has improved, their attack and cohesion has improved, all of that is is happening. But thirdly, in a year where other top teams are down from their best. Now we've said this before, we've said this multiple times, it's across Europe. It's not just Liverpool, it's not just Man City, it's happening like across the board in most of the European top leagues with the top sides. They are performing far inferior this season in terms of performance level and consistency compared to last year or compared to like a three-year rolling uh, run of where you would expect them to be. There's no mm. question of that anymore. So Arsenal, their own improvement combined with everybody else dropping off a bit, the gap closes both ways. And so it's fantastic for them. And you ab- absolutely have to applaud them and credit them for making the most of it and <clears throat> being in position already to uh, capitalise on it when it happens, basically. So no badness towards Arsenal or what they've done even if they do end up finishing second this season whatsoever as far as I'm concerned they've done everything they could have I think mm. um, but yeah it is only one game because it is only that two point gap effectively if City win the game in hand and the battle between the two which I would expect them to um, Yeah, I think there's still an awful lot to be said as well about the um, not just the experience but the experience in the biggest of moments, game after game when it happens. I'm not talking about like an FA Cup here, which they won a couple of years ago, but when you're in a title race and you have to do game after game after game after game, Liverpool now, you know, it takes a couple of goes to get it right. It takes maybe a failure to get it right. It takes changing the mentality of some of the players in the group to get it right. And maybe the manager as well, to be fair. Don't really know too much about that side of it, but it could well be the case. Uh, Just experience of decision-making and how to prepare the team and all that kind of thing. So it will start to get very, very real for them now. And if they do lose one or two matches in and around other than the City game, I, I do think that a few of these could struggle. I think uh, Odegaard has been like, unbelievably good this season. I really do think he's been so, so consistent all the way through. Saka, I think, has probably hit the heights more than anyone. But I do keep coming back to the start of the season. Yeah, but at the start of the season, he was actually like comfortably the worst of the attacking quartet that they have. Like The first... Maybe say six, seven, eight league games, something like that. Martinelli was absolutely flying, and Gabriel Jesus started really well, and Odegaard was already good. Saka was like comfortably below them. That's fine because you need different players to be at the highest level and performing uh, as well as possible at different times of the season. Uh, and he has been absolutely excellent in, in most of the campaign. But it's not just down to one or two players. It is a a combination of like, like I said, all those partnerships that they've had. The fact that. Uh, Zinchenko, Xhaka and Martinelli down that left-hand flank all dovetail quite well in the jobs that they do and where they run in and fill in the spaces for each other. So it has been a really, really good tactical effort, but this is a very, very difficult run that they've got coming up. It is, and if we look at their running versus cities, they've got Liverpool away, then West Ham away. That could be a West Ham team under a new manager who might get a new manager bounce. Then Southampton at home, that's a win. Then they go to City, that's going to be really tough. Then they get Chelsea at home. Now that should be a win. Chelsea are awful. But, at some point, you would imagine that with all the talent that they can put on the pitch, something will click. So it could be that game. Then they go to Newcastle, which is going to be really tough, because Toon are fighting for a top four. Then they have Brighton at home, and that's going to be tough, because Brighton play outstanding football, have the type of players that can hurt Arsenal, 
and are competing for Europe. Then they finish off with Forest away, which they should win, and Wolves at home, which they should win. But Wolves might go there needing something to stay in the league. So it could be tough. Whereas for City, I think it's a lot more straightforward. Southampton away, that's a win. Leicester home, that's a win. They've got to go to Brighton at some point, that'll be tough. They get Arsenal at home, that's tough, but they're at home. They'll play Fulham away without Mitrovic, and Fulham look like a team on the beach at the moment. They'll play West Ham home, any new manager bounce will be gone by then, they'll beat them. They play Leeds home, they'll beat them. They go to Everton, that could be tough because Everton will shithouse their way to try and scrape a point, but you'd still expect City to win. Then they play Chelsea home on the second last day of the season. And then they'll get Brighton away, I'm oh, sorry, Brentford away last day of the season, which would be a tougher game if it was now, but by then Brentford are likely on the beach because they'll be, you know, comfortably mid-table and, and not able to do anything. I just think City's run-in is a lot more straightforward than what we're seeing for Arsenal. Now, I know that you have to factor in City have to play an, epic, an FA Cup semi-final. They drew Sheffield United, who are going to be without two of their better players because City own them, and therefore they can't play against City. City could play a very, very weakened team in that game and probably still win quite comfortably. They do have the Champions League to focus on. But they're used to that. Like, this City team is used to winning the league and going deep in the Champions League, and... There's no guarantee they get by Bayern Munich anyway. They could get easily get knocked out by Bayern. So if they get knocked out by Bayern, that takes that off the plate. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. So I don't buy into the fact that City have more games and therefore it becomes harder. I think they've got easier games and I think it's more straightforward for them the path to the title. Like we could easily see... players who are contributing a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, they played us without Haaland and battered us. So, you know, they're, they're starting to round into form. They look a more formidable team. They're currently... On a seven-game unbeaten run, um, which is their best run since the start of the season when they went ten unbeaten, they've had their dip and they've recovered. I don't know that I'd say Arsenal have had their dip yet. I know they lost to Everton, drew with Brentford, and then lost to City, but I don't know if I'd classify that as a dip or just a slight blip. I still think there's a dip to come from Arsenal, and I think this run-in over the next seven games is really, really tough. Like, the only the only gimme there that you'd bet your mortgage on them winning is Southampton at home. Because West Ham are going to be desperate for something. And like I said, they could have a new manager by then. 
So maybe they just go out and try and shithouse things. All the rest of them, bar maybe Chelsea, but all the rest of them are really tough games. Liverpool away because Liverpool are good at home. City away because it's City. Newcastle away. That's going to be really tough. That's where they bottled, remember, top four last season. And then Brighton at home. I I wouldn't put it past Brighton to go there and open them up. They're capable. I agree. It's a much more difficult run in Premier League terms. And, you know, again, for Arsenal, it is a case of if they do lose just one of those key players, have you got the depth? If I think it's in the wide areas or centre forward, I think they're fine because this is the time now to talk about Trossard as well. But if there's another central midfield absence, I don't think they're as, they're as well off as they should be. If there's another defensive absence, they lose a lot in terms of the tactical play and the build-up play, uh, especially in the full-back area. So it is a very, I wouldn't say on a knife edge for them, but one injury could be more costly than it should be, and certainly more costly for Arsenal than it would be for Man City, or than it already yeah. has been for Man City. Um, I, I think Arsenal will win at least one, if not two, of those games that you mentioned being extremely difficult uh, because mm-hmm. you know, they are a very good side and good sides win tough games. That, that's how it goes. But I don't think they beat City. I don't think that they will find it very easy at all against Newcastle. That that could easily be a draw, which is the most costly draw of all, even though on the face of it, that might be quite a good result. But I don't think that they beat Liverpool this weekend. No. And that's the thing. It's not that they need... It's not that they... You know, if they lose the games, it's the big blow. It Draws could kill them as well, as we've seen happen to us in the past, where we were better than City for large chunks of the season, but by the end of the year, it was draws that cost us. That could well be the case. If they draw with us, draw with Newcastle, and let's say draw with Brighton, and City win all along the way and beat them and win their game in hand, those draws will be what will cost them. If they don't have to lose the games, drawing them is, is nearly as bad um, because of how straightforward City's run seems to be as long as City can take care of business. Um, going into this game, uh, there's no Tomiyasu, no Saliba by the looks of things. Also no um, Mohamed Elneny. Eddie and Ketia, they're thinking, could be back, but I, I would say it's probably a long shot. He's probably back for the following game. For us, no Ramsey, no Basetic. They're done for the season. Luis Diaz could be in the mix for a spot on the bench. Virgil is back. Thiago's back in training and should be good to go this weekend. And Naby is back in the dungeon or wherever it is that Naby resides. Uh, during the week when he's not away with the, the Guinea national team. Um, so obviously, both sides dealing with, with a couple of important injuries. But I think getting Thiago back is massive for us because our midfield has just been such a shambles. And he's the type of player that even after an absence kind of comes back in and will immediately find his rhythm. I think he immediately makes Fabinho better. But I am worried about Jürgen. And I'm worried that he's going to do the same crap that he's done all season and roll out 4-3-3 with Henderson and Fabinho as two of the three. And if he does that, I think he makes this game much harder than it needs to be for us. It's going to be tough anyway. But I think if he plays Henderson, I I, I have a tougher time seeing us win. Now, my hope is that because Henderson played the full game against City and the full game against Chelsea, we might see Henderson sit out for this one. Hello. 
I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Actually, I was going to ask you, even beyond Henderson, what we've seen previously from Jurgen Klopp when he you know, gets annoyed and we've had a couple of bad results or whatever and he makes all these big changes like he did in midweek, it lasts one game. He goes back to the team which was basically in place beforehand. There might be one stays in if they played particularly well. Nobody did against Chelsea. But usually it's like one game, ah, oh, this is what happens if you're bad, and then it's back to how it was. Do you think that that's the case again here? Or do you think that that was, right, I've had enough, let's see who plays. There'll be a bit of rotation because, again, nobody played that well against Chelsea, but by and large, we're changing things around. I think he might change things around, and I've been wondering if, considering how brilliantly it worked at home to City, I've been wondering if he might go for the four-four-two here and try and get more compact, allow Arsenal a bit more of the ball, and try and take advantage of the fact that, despite the fact that defensively their their goals against record is quite good this season, they have had a number of shaky moments, and teams have been able to get behind them. And without Saliba, they're unquestionably weaker at the back. You know, the two fullbacks that start, White and Zinchenko, neither of them are great defenders. They're in the team because of what they offer on the ball more so than the defensive work. If you're picking an Arsenal defence based on the best defenders, Tommy Asu would be the right back and Tierney would be the left back. But these two are tasked with doing quite a lot on the ball. In, In Ben White's case, it's supporting Saka and interplay with Saka. In Zinchenko, it's that combination you mentioned earlier with Xhaka and Martinelli. And he often finds himself quite high up the pitch, which Gabriel can cover across for him. And when Saliba's the central defender next to Gabriel, that's okay, because Saliba can cover a lot of ground. When it's Rob holding, I have noticed Gabriel's a little more hesitant to shift out to the left and leave holding with massive spaces either side of him. So I do wonder if maybe we might look to get a little bit more defensive, a little bit more solid, and try and hit them on the counter, because I do think they're there to be countered. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's how quite a few teams have actually had a bit of success against us, and even if it's only in spells in matches rather than getting a positive result out of the match at all, I think sporting is, is the ideal one you want to look at there. They absolutely tore Arsenal apart on the counter. Like they could have scored three, four goals in that second leg. Um, it was uh, <clears throat> quite brutal to watch at times, to be perfectly mm. honest. Uh, Bournemouth did exactly the same thing a number of times. Lost the game in the end, poor defensively. Arsenal had a really, really good response partway through that match, but Bournemouth created a lot of their own chances. Could have been 3 0 up by the hour mark before yeah. Arsenal start come back into the game, like easily. They were 2 up, they could have been 3, they could have been 4. 
whatever. Um, but that's that's I think a, a better way to plan the match. It's not that you want Liverpool to be defensive, but you want Liverpool to be able to attack. And at the minute, as we've discussed, our build-up play is nearly non-existent. When we have yeah. the ball, when we have possession, when we're trying to move upfield as a unit, we haven't got a clue. We do not have the notion of how to get the ball into the final third, how to get players into the final third, where the combinations are. There's absolutely no movement. There's not really much power or aggression. Uh, I would include Darwin Nunez in that. The last couple of games he's had, he was he had a foot injury, but against Chelsea, he was barely moving around the pitch. He certainly wasn't putting himself about the pitch. So there needs to be a change in that regard. And if that is to be team have the ball and have a bit more space and then just try to use speed, then that's maybe the direction we've got to go. Mm. See, ideally, if we had Diaz back, we'd be rolling Diaz out as, as the left winger. But with him not there, and with Jota's desperate form... Darwin on the left is probably the move here, but I really want to see Darwin play through the middle with Mo against that back two. I think if we can isolate those two, Mo versus Gabriel, Darwin versus Rob Holding, I think we could have real success there. Now, Jota always does well against Arsenal. That's the one thing to consider here. He always does well against Arsenal. This is the last match he's got before his anniversary. His anniversary of scoring a goal. So I'm wondering, is the play Jota left, Darwin and Mo through the middle, or Darwin left, Gakpo and Mo through the middle? Who are you putting on the right? Trent. In front of Joe. I know. Who, who would we? Who you asked me who I was put putting. I would put <laughs> who reasonably put on the right. I think it'll be Harvey. If if he goes with the four, I think it'll be Harvey, and I think it could be Harvey in front of Joe Gomez. Um, with Thiago coming back in, I assume. Yes, with Fabinho and Thiago as the double pivot, Canate and Virgil and Andy Robertson at left back. I go off to left then. Jota left and Darwin through the middle with, with or would you go Gakpo through the middle with Mo or would you go Darwin? Um, I would go have, Darwin at the moment, but I don't suppose he will. Darwin hasn't started through the middle for us for quite a while now. It's a fucking bizarre thing. It's a very, very bizarre thing that he <clears throat> he bought a £60 million striker. I know he played in the left for Benfica. We didn't buy him to play on the left. He bought him to play through the middle. And we bought Darwin, who played in the middle, and we played him on the left, and we bought Gagpo, who played on the left, and we played him in the middle. Played him to the middle. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, I would play Jota to go up against Saka, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And Jota has had a lot of joy against Ben White individually as well. Um, White doesn't seem to enjoy playing against Jota, so I think, I think that's a, another, another benefit to us. We need... The two, the two guys that need to be absolutely on top of their game in this game are whoever lines up at fullback for us. Robertson has to come back in, I think, for Simicus because Costas Costas is a little bit slow-footed when a, when, a, when a winger squares him up and I think he's quite easily beaten whereas Robbo, because of his aggressive nature and he's a bit more explosive, I think Robbo up against Saka is a better matchup for us. But Robbo has to be right on his game. He has to take umbrage with the fact that Klopp dropped him at Stamford Bridge. And he has to come right up for the game. 
I think I would go Gomez versus Martinelli. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Gomez do pretty well after a shaky start? Didn't he do pretty well away to Arsenal or have I made that up in my head? can't remember, to be honest. Uh, there was a couple of games that he, he played in a row where he had a bit of a shaky start and then got much better, which was mm. much earlier on in the season. But I don't honestly remember if that was the Arsenal match or not. Um, but what I would say is, although he wasn't particularly good against Chelsea, I still think that that was a better performance than in against Man City by an order of magnitude. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. See, Ali's put in the team I would go with, which is... Alisson, Gomez, Ibu, Virgil, Robbo, Trent, Thiago, Fabinho. Now, he's put Diaz in. Diaz isn't fit. So you go Jota, and then I go Salah Darwin. And I just try and kill them with pace on the counter. And, and Trent having that ability to spread play, I think, could be beneficial. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think Trent will uh, will play on the right side of midfield and I don't think he should come back in at right back for this game because <clears throat> if you if you look at the season there's been a few wingers not 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 loads like some will make out but there's been a few wingers that have absolutely roasted Trent Valachgelia Matoma and Vinicius fine fine <laughs> but they do it to everybody yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's, that's what I was saying on, on the Daily Red today. They do it to everybody. Kavalachgelia has literally embarrassed every right back in Europe this season. Vinicius is the best left winger in the world. And Matoma is one of the best dribblers in the world. They embarrass everybody. Grealish was man of the match at the weekend, but not because he roasted Trent, but because he was able to make smart decisions and drop back into space that Harvey Elliott wasn't filling properly. Like... There was no time when I remember Grealish running past Trent and making something happen. Trent was able to get back and cope with Grealish. The only, Grealish scored the goal, but that was because of the De Bruyne overlapping run and no support from a Liverpool midfielder for Trent. He got left 2v1 and Grealish had the assist. And again, it was because Harvey didn't do his job and get back on him. That wasn't a Trent thing. That was a, that was a, a Harvey thing. So, it was Ox at that point, to be honest. On that, it was, side. It was Ox on the on the on the goal. Yeah, on the, the the Grealish goal. But on the on the Alvarez goal, it was Harvey not doing his job. Um, so, like, I don't agree with this idea that Trent has been diabolical defensively all season. I just don't think it's true. I think he's had some really poor games. But the bigger issue with him has also been the lack of ability, lack of decision-making going forward at times. But I would play Gomez. I would just try and be more solid defensively. I think Martinelli is the type that would give Trent a bit of a running. So I would go with Gomez, and I think with Ibu inside him, I think that that's good to cover, um, cover Martinelli. The bigger worry to me is, is Jesus, and his movement, and his dribbling, and the way he links everything together for them, he concerns me. And the link-up he has with, with Odegaard is is fairly spectacular. Um, like, Partey doesn't worry me. He, he's a good player. He's overrated because Arsenal are having a really good season. He's not the best number six in the world. But he's a good player. We've, we've seen him for years. 
Xhaka doesn't concern me. I, I think you can rely on Granit Xhaka to do something stupid in this game because he has a history of it. But the one that really worries me is is Jesus. That dropping off to link with everybody else. I worry if one of our centre-backs routinely gets pulled out of position. So for that reason, Fabinho has to be played in a position where he fills that space in front of the centre-backs and isn't been asked to cover massive amounts of ground. That's why I would go with like a 4-4-2, where the right winger or right side midfielder stays really diligently in front of Gomez, uh, like like Harvey did against Man City, to his credit, in front of Milner, and then left winger is the one that has a bit more freedom to get forward and be aggressive. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. Ha! <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree with you on Shaka, obviously. We've spoken about him enough down the last few years. The only thing I would say is a bit of an issue for us this season is if we do go in the three, <coughs> depending on who plays that tucked in left-hand side role for us. I mean, Henderson's done it a few times over the last few games. If Thiago doesn't come in and play that role and it's Henderson again, he's terrible at tracking. He's so Odegaard lead him alive. <clears throat> Odegaard will, will kill him. Kill him, running off the back shoulder. He won't, even, he won't even see Odegaard at any point during the game. Like, Kovacic ran off him repeatedly. At the week, uh, uh, during the week, repeatedly, De Bruyne ran off him time and time and time again, and Kovacic should have scored, and he should have been involved in the creation of a goal that got ruled out. De Bruyne scored and was involved in the creation of a goal, and it, it all stems from Henderson just not having any awareness or knowing where his man is at any time. Odegaard's movement is different level; he will have a field day if we play Henderson on that side. If Henderson plays, which he definitely shouldn't, it should be it has to be the right sided role against Xhaka. Because at least Xhaka is slow and he can Henderson can keep up with him. But I'd still I'd still be fairly certain Xhaka will get at least one clear shooting opportunity where Henderson is nowhere to be found. Yeah, same because he's uh, again driving on so much more this season and making such a big difference to Arsenal when he gets into the penalty box at the opposite side of the pitch obviously so I, I think it's a 
difficult one for whoever does that right side, actually, because nominally it's our more adventurous role, but it's going to be, if we play the three, it's going to be the one which is responsible for tracking their most adventurous midfielder in terms of positions, not in terms of on the ball, because that's Odegaard. Mm. But Chaka gets higher than Odegaard does a lot of the time off the ball. Um, Would you consider playing Thiago on the right, because he will stick to a task a bit more, and he can just simply outplay Xhaka? And I've just, I've, Ali's put it in as a Fabinho, Curtis, Thiago midfield three. Is there is there any merit in the suggestion of getting Curtis to man Mark Odegaard? Uh, I think Odegaard's a lot smarter, to be fair. So do I. I. I do as well. But at least we know Curtis will stick to the task. He will do yeah. what's asked of him. I don't think he'll do it poorly. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, there'll be occasions where he is wrong side or has to quickly react to whatever but you got to expect that but similarly I think he's obviously a little bit more capable of getting the other side of Odegaard as well and maybe making things happen on the counter um, <laughs> I struggle to think that Jones as we mentioned in yesterday's podcast plays basically nothing all season and then comes in for two consecutive starts <laughs> against Chelsea and Arsenal back to back in four days it would be it's very just, Klopp though it would be it would very be really Klopp. really Klopp um, I hope he does. Why not? I think he played okay. So put yeah. him in. Even if we play the four four two, I think he'd do the right hand side tucked in. Yeah, a hundred percent. You play him um, in front of Gomez. A hundred percent, I could get on board with that. And yeah. the thing with Curtis as well that's always overlooked is he's really strong. Like he's got physicality to his game. He doesn't have an explosive burst, but he is strong. And if he starts to outmuscle um, the likes of Odegaard and that. That's where Odegaard will drift out of games where teams get physical with him and kick him a few times early on and he can drift out of games. Now, it only takes a split second for him to come back into a game and and change things. I remember watching them against Fulham at the Emirates earlier in the season and Odegaard was absolutely shocking and then Fulham went in front and then Odegaard just having been kicked out of the game Started to find little pockets of space because Fulham dropped off a little bit. And he just ran the game. And he single-handedly dragged them back into that game. And he's done that a couple of times this season where he hasn't been in in games. And all it takes is just a split second of he gets free, finds the space. And we know he can pick any pass. And he's got a great shot. You have to be really diligent when dealing with him. And I, I... if one of our midfielders was to be tasked with dealing with him, I would rather it be Curtis than Thiago because I don't want to waste Thiago's energy chasing Odegaard around. I'd rather have Thiago able to, you know, deal with the slow footed Jacka and then outplay him going the other way. Yeah, I, I I would prefer that to be the three, to be honest. Whether it's three of three or three of four and Jota's the other one. Mm. Thiago, Curtis, Fabinho, I think. Yeah. Yeah, even yeah, like you said, even in the four four two, put Curtis on the right, or in a midfield three, I think you put Curtis on the left. I think that's our best bet. Um, we we need to be switched on defensively though, and we need Virgil to have one of the good Virgil games. He's had a few of them this season, but they haven't been nearly as as often as we'd like. Um, he's had a number of poor games. I, again, I still think if you grade him against other Premier League centre-backs. I still think he stands up to pretty much any of them. Now, 
I will say Botman for me has been a class above most this season. But, you know, we hear a lot about the gnome at Man United. He's been battered multiple times. Last night he didn't win, a, he, he had uh, contested four aerial duels, didn't win any of them. He got turned a number of times by Tony. But yet he's apparently been brilliant and Virgil's been awful. Well, Virgil hasn't conceded seven goals in a game this season or six goals in a game this season or, you know, been embarrassed in the air the way he has. I think Virgil has been better than we've made than people have said, but not as good as we expect him to be. When you grade him against himself, that's where you see the drop off. Yeah, Virgil's been nowhere near where we need him to be or where we expect him to be. He's been fine in some games and he's been good in some games, but he hasn't hit the heights that he is capable of. Um, although I will say that, like Fabinho, in the games where he has been very, very good and very dominant and very diligent about his work, one, it's been alongside Nati, and mm. two, it's been in the games where it's been a little bit deeper, a little bit more compact, defensively minded. And, and who uh, didn't play in any of those played, games, Uh Adrian. Yeah, Adrian and the Sunderland midfield version of Adrian didn't play in any of those games. Our best defensive performances and most disciplined performances have come without Jordan Henderson in the team. And we're going to need to be strong defensively and disciplined in this game. And that's, forgetting form, that's the biggest reason not to play Henderson. Forgetting the fact that he has been absolutely poison on the pitch. He just, he's not disciplined. He's not dependable defensively at all. Doesn't track runners, has no awareness, doesn't tackle, won't tackle, doesn't contest aerial duels, doesn't do anything defensively, and then doesn't offer anything going forward to make up for it. So I just I think he, he needs to sit sit this one out. Come on the last ten if we're three one up and run around a bit, but do it within the structure of the team. Um, so yeah, I think we're I think we're agreed on the eleven. Mm. Gomez, Ali, Gomez, Ibu, Virgil, Robbo, Curtis, Fabinho, Thiago, Mo, Darwin, and Jota. But it's just about the shape, then, isn't it? It's about whether it's four three three or four four two, and which which role Curtis takes up. Yeah, I mean, they should be fairly interchangeable anyway mm. between the two if you've got those personnel on the pitch, especially the way Jota played against City, for example. It was very 4-4-2 off the ball. Uh, in the first half, it worked all right in terms of stopping them and, and sending them into a packed area of the pitch in the middle. So just more diligence needed in that in that regard and not so much of a drop-off and not so much hilarity in the second half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Concentration, focus, diligence... And this is a game we can win because we're really good at home. We're more than capable. And these players have got to get their act together. And they should be motivated coming off two poor performances. They should be motivated to put on a good showing at Anfield. In front of a packed house, a big TV game. This should be the one where we see some sort of life out of this team. And look, if they're to have any small chance at getting top four. They have to win this game. They simply have to win this game because right now 
they're 10 points behind United and Newcastle. Now, I already think that's too much. But United are poor. Newcastle are average. They're more than capable of going on a bad run. So we need to be capable of eating it into those leads and getting at least in with a shout going into the last couple of games. So a lot on the line for us here as well. And look, their managers had to come out twice in the last couple of weeks and say, you know, I'm kind of living on past glory here. At another club, I'd probably be sacked. For them to hear that, surely that puts a rocket up their arse. I like to think so. I'm a little bit sceptical of that, to be honest, because I think if, if pride and you know, determination and needing a response and all that was going to play a part this season, it already would have. If you keep needing a response every three weeks, you're not getting one, basically, is what I think. Uh, you're not getting the performances at a consistent enough level that needs to be the case, and therefore you're not getting the performances. Simple as that. Um, but I do think that there are other reasons to expect Liverpool to be better. Like you said, at home has obviously been a bit of a different atmosphere and a bit of a different feeling for us this season. I think even something like having Diaz back on the bench, when he goes and warms up, it gets the crowd up, it gets them sort of optimistic and cheering that he's back sort of thing. That helps the crowd, it helps the lift the overall mood, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing I would say, though, is, and again, this is related to, to what we spoke about the other day and it was in my my most recent article in Liverpool, it was the fact that in the second half we've been so, so poor over the last couple of weeks, like since yeah. the Man United game. Now, they have been on the road matches and all the rest of it, but even so, that's, that, that alone is not an excuse. You know, you can't just not create and not shoot and not have an attacking outlook just because you're away from home. And we've been awful in the second half in matches since the United game. So, well worth pointing out that we've got areas to improve but also that on home soil we have improved those things yes without question i think i saw a stat from andrew beasley that backed up what you had in your article about how liverpool have basically only had is it one shot in the second half of each of the last three games uh yeah, three of the last four three of the last four something like that yeah was it real might have been Real City and and um, Chelsea. One shot in the second. is embarrassing. Um, right, last thing before we go. We've both gone for a 3-1 Liverpool win. I need your thoughts on this because I am, I am overjoyed by the news. Frank Lampard is the new manager of Chelsea. <laughs> I don't care if it's caretaker. Frank Lampard is Chelsea manager again, Carl. Your immediate thoughts. Good, good, good. <laughs> I mean, you've described him recent, uh, previously as failing upwards. I mean, yeah. this is like CEO upwards. Oh, this is spectacular. Failed at Derby, got the Chelsea job. Failed there, got the Everton job. Failed there, got the Chelsea job again. It's fantastic. And here's the thing. If he does even okay, let's say they end up ninth, because Fulham won't have Mitrovic great games. So they're going to fall off. Brentford might fall off now a little bit as well. And Villa could fall off because, you know, Unai Emery. Let's say they end up eighth. You know that there's going to be a big campaign in the media for him to get a Premier League job this summer. Because there'll be a plethora of them open. The permanent job. There will will be somebody that will come out and say, oh, they should give him the job full time. It'll be Oli Gunnar Solskjaer all over again. We've already had Oli Kay and Jim White 
banging the drum that this is the most sensible thing Todd Bowley has done. This is this is the stupidest thing Todd Bowley has done. But they're carrying out a proper search for a new manager. Like, They've probably done that first time around. Yeah, you know, like or just not sack Thomas Tuchel, who's one of the best managers in the world. Maybe you don't like him, and maybe you think I don't want to work with him long term. So maybe you just let him at it, and behind the scenes, you start to make plans for what you might do down the line. Who might be the guys you'd look at? Not, not sack him, point Graham Potter. Right, we will leave it there, folks. Carl, have you anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, just that Liverpool piece again, I suppose. I'll put it in the Twitters and in the Discord in case anyone's not read it. It's still worthwhile before the Arsenal game and where we have to improve while Klopp is focused on defence getting better. I'd like the other end of the pitch too as well. There we go. Rightio, folks. Thank you as always for listening and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.